We hope you're blessed and encouraged by the following study from Calvary Chapel, Elmani. It's our simple prayer that you would grow stronger and deeper in an intimate and personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Should you have any questions, please feel free to contact us here at Calvary Chapel, Elmani. Turn there today as we have a really, really awesome lesson in God's Word. 2 Kings chapter 6 and tonight we're going to cover verses 1 through 23. One person said, little faith will bring your soul to heaven, but great faith will bring heaven to your soul. And I, I don't know exactly how it works, the dynamics of that, but you know when you got saved you probably didn't know a lot. All you knew is that you were a sinner separated from God on your way to hell. You knew you were in desperate situation, and so you called out to Christ, and he saved you, man. And now people like you, and I know you, some of you here, you know, you're still kind of messed up. You're tweaked. You're, you know, uh, a knucklehead. But you gave your life to Christ, and now you are forgiven. You are free. You're born again. You're a Christian. You're going to heaven. And there's that, that little step of faith. It, it brought you to heaven but, but now, it, it, you know what? God wants your faith to grow. Our faith should grow now. We've been Christians long enough. We should have a strong faith in the Word of God. And what you're going to see is heaven come down. Man, God's going to do a great work. And we're going to see that today. Elisha is a great example for us. We know he's a picture of Christ. But he's also just a great example of what it is to be a man of God. And you're going to see that word over and over again. How many of you here, you guys, you want to be a man of God? You know, I, I don't know. And the ladies, obviously, you wouldn't raise your hand on that. You want to be a woman of God, huh? You want that. Well, it's not going to happen if you're doubting. It's not going to happen if you're questioning everything. It's not going to happen if you're afraid of anything but God. Why? Because we have to have faith. And so I pray that our faith would grow. I pray that we would learn our lessons tonight you know, a lot, of, a lot of things, big things, little things. Notice what it says right here in verse 1. It says, And the sons of the prophets said to Elisha, See now, the place where we dwell with you is too small for us. Please, let us go to the Jordan and let every man take a beam from there and let us make there a place where we may dwell. So he answered, Go. Then one said, Please consent to go with your servants. And he answered, I will go. And so he went with them, and when they came to the Jordan, they cut down trees. But as one was cutting down a tree, the iron axe head fell into the water, and he cried out and said, Alas, master, for it was borrowed. So the man of God said, Where did it fall? And he showed him the place. And so he cut off a stick and threw it in there, and he made the iron float. Therefore he said, Pick it up for yourself. And so he reached out his hand and took it. Interesting story, huh? You know, I mean, you know, the, the prophets, the school of the prophets, uh, Elisha was uh, heading this up, and it was growing. And it's kind of cool when you see ministries, you know, they're growing, and so you got to do uh, maybe a new building, maybe, you know, expansion, whatever. It's kind of cool. You know, that was what's happening. And so one of the guys, he has an idea. He says, you know, uh, he goes to Elisha there in verse 1. The place where we dwell with you, it's too small. Let us go to the Jordan. Every guy cuts down a tree, and then we'll make there a place where we can dwell. He said, go ahead and go. And then they said, well, you know, go with us. 
go with us. And I like that. We're going to see this here because we talked about the fact that, you know, you, you got to believe in the God of man. I think you also got to believe in the man of God. They saw God's hand on Elisha. And they were right. They were right. Because they're going to they're gonna need him. And so he wasn't going to go unless they ask him to go. And so then they ask him to go. And then he ends up saying, okay, I'll go. And then when they go, you can visualize it right now. You know, they're, they're ch- ha- you know, cutting down the tree, the trees. And then one day, one guy's swinging and it goes, whoo. It just flies off and it goes into the Jordan River. And it's kind of funny when you look at it right here. Uh, the guy started kind of freaking out there in verse 5. He cried out and he said, Master, you know, he's like, alas, for it was borrowed. <laughs> you know, he was really worried about this, uh, primarily because of the fact that, you know, this guy, wanted, he borrowed the axe from somebody and, you know, he wanted to take it back to the proper owner. That's interesting, huh? For some of you here who have borrowed things from somebody and you've never returned them. Huh? You still have it and it's still kicking it in your garage. And God's convicting you right now, huh? <laughs> He's saying, man, you borrowed that. I, I know there's one guy here, it's kind of funny, he borrowed someone's t-shirt and uh, <laughs> he likes it so much that he won't give it back. And we went to a prayer meeting and he made a confession. He said, you know what, there have been many times where it was washed and I said, i got to give this back to you know, my brother and then... He's on nah, and then he put it on again, you know. <laughs> and so, um, you know, you should probably, you know, have that conviction in your heart. Seriously, man, you borrow something, give it back. You know, this guy right here, he had that conviction here. But, you know, the axe went into the Jordan River. How are you going to get that back? And so when they told Elisha, he just said, okay, where is it? And then they showed him. And so he cut off a stick and he threw it into the river and then the iron floated. Obviously, that's a miracle, right? It's a miracle. And then he says, pick it up for yourself. And so the guy goes and picks it up for himself. And uh, obviously, he's going to then take it back to the guy. And so, you know, that's an interesting story. A lot of people like to spiritualize it. And there's probably a lot of things you can, can, can probably come up with, you know. And uh, I'm just really careful about things like that. Uh, we don't see really a whole lot of stuff about axes other than the fact that the Lord said, hey man, the axe is, John the Baptist said, is laid to the root of the tree and every tree that doesn't bear fruit, God says, I'm going to cut it down. You know, um, some people say your life, can you lose the cutting edge? And there's a lot, of, a lot of different things that, you know, maybe you can come away with. But I, I will say this, one thing is clear. Nothing's too big for God, and nothing's too small for God. You know? I mean, when we get, you know, sick, or we want our loved one to get saved, or, you know, we lose our job, or our marriage is on the rocks, and she's filed for divorce. You know, when we think of the big things, we're sure, oh, I'm going to cry out to God, I'm going to pray to God, and that's cool, but I want to really encourage you to really pray about what we might consider to be the little things. Because when that axe head started to float in the Jordan River, God showed how much He cares about even the smallest things in your life. You know, and it's true. How many times have you lost your keys and you prayed, God, show me where my keys are? Have you guys ever done that? And then God showed you your keys, and you're like, wow, this has got to be the Lord, you know? Even my wife, it's kind of funny, when we go somewhere, and we're driving around, um, you know, one of the things about my wife is kind of funny is that she always wants the closest parking spot, you know? 
And so I'll park, and she'll say, you think there's one closer? Every time, every time. So I finally just drive around, okay, is this okay? I learned, you know, as a husband. But, you know, the funny thing is we'll get a parking space, and if it's close, you know, she'll say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. In the back of my mind, I'm thinking, does Jesus really care about where we park, you know? (laughs) He does. He cares about everything. And you can just bring everything to him all day long. I've learned that. I've learned that in my life. You know, everything, and you're just constantly bringing things to the Lord. There's nothing too big. There's nothing too small. And we have to have that that in our hearts. You know, I read this story uh, today. um, And, you know, this lady, uh, I guess she's a, a domestic engineer, another name for a housewife. Great, great job, right? And uh, she said, all of last year, God was really working on me in a couple of areas. One of them was how I always seem to look for him in the big things and don't trust how much he cares about the things I deem to be small. As a result, I don't tend to go to him with everything I try to deal with things on my own. Sometimes it's honestly just not thinking about something. But most of the time it's because I don't think I am worthy to be heard or cared about from such a great and mighty God. She said, He has been tenderly showing me how much He really cares about me and the things that are important to me. So, a couple of months before Christmas, something started going wrong with our dryer. Once it got heated up, it would start squealing extremely loud during the whole cycle. I would try to stop and restart it, but nothing worked. I just had to wait until it was done. It was so loud. It was really getting on my nerves, making me crazy. This went on until after Christmas. On top of that, we homeschool. So having all three kids home, she said, well, you get the point. My husband said he would try to fix it, but there was never time with Christmas coming. And I was convinced we were going to need a new one. Looked online and yikes, she said. There's no way we can afford to get a new dryer. And I didn't want to keep bringing it up to the hub, so finally it occurred to me that I should pray about it. And so the next time I put a load in, lo and behold, there was no noise. And there hasn't been a noise ever since. She said, I want to encourage you all with God's goodness and compassion and faithfulness. He is a good father who delights to give good gifts to those who love him. I pray that God will show each of you in a small way or in a big way that may only mean something to you, but yet you would know how much he cares for your life. Now, I'm not saying that every time God's going to fix your dryer, but I tell you what, and I've learned this from some people. I think Robert one time, he told me one time, just lay hands on him, bro. Lay hands on the car. Lay hands on whatever it is. I don't know. You know. And then when God does that little miracle in your life, He flexes His muscles and He shows you not only how, you know, how He does the big things, but how He cares so much about every single one of us, about all the details of our life. You know, so I read this about the axe head right here, and I'm just thinking, wow, Lord, that you would do that. Some say the stick is the cross. I don't know. All I know is that God is able, and God hears our cries. You know, I told you guys before about the time where that dog was, you know, kept barking and barking and barking and barking, and it was in the middle of the night. I wanted to go to sleep, and so I finally, I just prayed, God, please help that dog to stop barking. And the moment I said it, boom. He stopped. 
And when he stopped barking, I felt the presence of God just flood my life. And he said, see, I hear you. See, and that's what we see right here. God wants us to know how much he cares and how we can take the big things to him, the little things to him. Philippians 4, 6, and 7, it says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. It could be something as big as a crackhead, you got to pray for them. It could be something as small as an axe head. Bring it to Jesus all day long, all life long. Bring the big things, the little things to Jesus. Remember that song, What a Friend We Have in Jesus, All Our Sins and Griefs to Bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, how often we forfeit the peace. Oh, what needless pain we bear all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. And your wife gets mad at you and your husbands get mad at you and your kids start, you know, pushing those buttons and what do you do? You get mad. No, you pray. You pray right there for the power of the Holy Spirit. And so we see, first word for tonight, I'm just going to say little. The little things. But then we read in verse 8, it says, Now the king of Syria was making war against Israel and he consulted with his servants, saying, My camp will be in such and such a place. And the man of God sent to the king of Israel, saying, Beware that you do not pass this place, for the Syrians are coming down there. Then the king of Israel sent someone to the place of which the man of God had told him. Thus he warned him, and he was watchful there, not just once or twice. Therefore, the heart of the king of Syria was greatly troubled by this thing. And he called his servants and said to them, Will you not show me which of us is for the king of Israel? And one of his servants said, None, my lord, O king, but Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. First word, do you guys remember? Little. You guys have a bad memory, man. Second word is listen. Listen. The king of Syria was under the impression that there was a spy among his leaders. Because every time they set up an ambush or attack upon the nation of Israel, the people of Israel wouldn't pass that way. They would go another way in order to avoid the army of Syria. They had been informed by Elisha, right? And so finally, after this happens numerous times, he confronts his, you know, his cabinet. Okay, who's the spy here? Who's the spy? Will you not show me which of us is for the king of Israel? And none of them were guilty, but one of them raised his hand. He knew what was going on there in verse 12. He says, Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, he tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. And so you're thinking, man, I didn't know they had that type of technology back then, you know. He bugged the bedroom, right? <laughs> no, it wasn't technology. It was theology. It was God here revealing to the man of God the secrets of man. You know, and when you read this right here, it's just pretty amazing. There was a very important lesson 
You know, about our enemies, and I think, and about the strategies of our enemies. Did you guys know that when you sleep, the devil is planning on how he can get you? You guys, we got to know that. You know, I hate it the way that God is using this guy. I hate it the way that God is using this church. I got a plan. It's a strategy of Satan. You know, and we need, as you know, the people of God, as the men of God, as the women of God, we need to be listening to God. You know, because if Elisha wasn't listening to God, then the people of God there in Israel would have been defeated, right? And that's what we find when we read the Bible. You know, some people don't have a clue because they're not studying the Word of God. And some people don't have a clue because they're not listening to the voice of God. My pastor used to always ask me, what's God been showing you? You know, and you can make something up if you want. Oh, uh, yeah, God's been saying, you know, whatever, you know. No, seriously, what's God, what's he been sharing with you? You know, you, there you are, you're on your face, you're on your knees, you're praying, you're fasting because we are living in days that we need to be doing things like that. And God has been laying things on your heart. I mean, we saw the, I don't know if you guys heard about it, I didn't see it, the, the Grammy Awards, they did all those marriages, a whole bunch of gay people got married. I mean, they are just shoving it down our throat. That's a war, right? That we need to fight. We can't fight it with carnal weapons. If you're not praying and fasting and seeking the Lord and in the Word with sincerity to the point where you can say, I hear the voice of God, then you can't make decisions. I was talking to one guy, making a heavy decision. You can't make a heavy decision without having heard the voice of God. You know, in, in looking at this right here, I'm reminded of Proverbs 22, verse 3. The Bible says, A prudent man foresees evil and hides himself, but the simple pass on and are punished. How can I foresee evil? How can I hide myself and avoid the ambush of the enemy's army? How? The answer, first of all, is by the word of God. You know, Satan is a liar. The weapons are lies and lures with those lies. God's word is the truth by which we protect ourselves from his lies and lures and therefore we need to read and heed the Bible. Read it over and over and over again. Saturate yourself in the scriptures. You know, you've got to read it over and over again. Every year read through the Bible, maybe more. Just keep reading it. It'll be the best thing for you. Just keep reading your Bible. Never stop reading it because then... You know, you're hearing God's voice, obviously, written in His Word. You know, according to 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11, Satan will not be able to take advantage of, of us if we are not ignorant of his devices. If we're ignorant, then obviously he's going to have a field day with us. I don't know how many boys, how many guys I've, told, I've seen, and they start walking with the Lord... And then some girl comes along and just sweeps him off his feet. Next thing you know, he's not going to church anymore. That happens with boys. That happens with girls. You see that the Lord's working in their life. And then some guy, some, you know, whatever, some buff guy, some rich guy, some whatever it is that you were thinking, oh, that's the guy I would like to get together, but he's not a Christian. And Billy Graham said, pride, women, and money. I mean, we begin to learn these are things that we have to be careful. I can't tell you how many guys that have a calling on their life, next thing you know, you know, they can't go to church anymore. Why? Because they're, you know, I'm not saying because they're, they're, you know, they, they can't 
control their schedule. I want to make sure I don't, you know, some guys, you got to work. Your boss says you got to work. There's nothing you can do about it. There's a difference between that type of guy and this type of guy who says, well, I just want the money. I'm going to get a second job because I want a bigger house or boats or whatever it is. I've seen a lot of guys fall away. See, you're, you just begin to learn. You know, I don't need to build bigger barns. God just shows you things. Some people don't have a clue because they're not studying the Word of God. And some people don't have a clue because they're not listening to the voice of God. And you've got to admit it right here. Elisha, her hearing what they're, what they're saying in, in his bedroom or whatever, that's pretty special, huh? I must admit, Elisha was probably unique and he undoubtedly had special gifts like the words of knowledge and wisdom spoken about in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 8. Those are two gifts of the Spirit. A word of knowledge is when God reveals something to you that you would have never known. God revealed it to you. He revealed to you some secret. And then a word of wisdom is, okay, now here's what you do with that word of knowledge. I mean, I think Elisha had those gifts. You know, but I do believe in, and I have experienced those times when God shows you something about someone, about a certain situation. I mean, He just reveals it to you. And through prayer and fasting, quality, quantity, time with the Lord in His Word, on your face, when you need to hear His voice in a very personal way, He is so gracious and faithful to reveal things with words of otherwise unknowable knowledge and supernatural wisdom. God will show you things. Of course, it would never contradict God's Word, but it might contradict your misinterpretation or your overgeneralization of the word. And then God just gives you that verse that you read before, but man, now in context, it applies to exactly what you're going through. And what happens, you guys? By faith, your ears are opened, and you're reminded that God knows everything about you, and he's willing to lead you if you're willing to seek him with all your heart, sometimes through prayer and fasting and just faithfully listening to the Lord. I always tell people, tune in. When so a lot of people ask, well, how do you know the will of God? How can I discover the will of God? Three T's. Number one, trust. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. and all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will direct your path. I don't know what to do. Well, it's got to begin, with first of all, with you trusting. Do you trust in God? Do you really believe that He knows you, that He loves you, and that He will guide you? you got to trust Him. You can't freak out. Like, I don't know if I'm ever going to have a compass. Yes, you are. God will show you trust in the Lord. The second thing is tune in. And so you've got to dial into that 107.9. You know what I'm saying? You've got you to dial in. You've got to listen. You know how it is when you're really listening. You know the difference, right? Your wife's talking to you. You're not listening, right? Because right now they're showing the Laker highlights. Who cares about the Lakers, man? <laughs> they're not good this year. <laughs> Clippers. No, I'm just joking. I won't do that. <laughs> You know how it is when you're listening. Okay, sweetheart, you have my undivided attention. That's what God wants. And then if that doesn't work and you're still not sure, you trust in the Lord, you tune in, and then you tarry. Wait. Wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord until He makes it clear. He will show you. But a lot of times we don't want to listen. We don't want to listen. Elisha, obviously in life, he slowed down. Elisha bowed down and he took time to listen. 
and so should we. You know, the Bible says seven times in the book of Revelation, he who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. How many of you here, we have ears, right? We have ears to hear spiritual things, but a lot of times we're not listening to the Lord. And so Elisha obviously was listening to the Lord. You know, I encourage you one day, read through the book of Acts and you will notice how the Spirit intimately led the church, personally led the church. Hey, I want you to go over, take that chariot. Wow, that must be God's voice speaking to me. Hey, I want you to go down now to this area. Philip's being led by the Lord. It's amazing to me how the Spirit led them. And God will say things. He will reveal things at times. You know, that otherwise would be secrets. You know, Deuteronomy 29, 29 is one of my favorite passages. It says the secret things belong to the Lord. There are some things you'll never know. You know what? I'll never know whatever the reason is, man, you know? But then in Psalm 25, verse 14, it says the secret of the Lord is with those who fear him. God will show you secrets. God showed Elisha secrets. God will show you things that you need to know if you believe that he'll show you. If you believe that, you know, hey, God will show me secrets. I need, I need your wisdom, Lord, in this situation. There's a war going on here. There's a war between Syria and Israel. And there is a war for your life. We can't water that down. You can't neglect that war. You can't forget that war. There is a war for you. There's a war for your soul. And so, man, you have to be able to listen in to the marching orders of your general, your commander, Jesus Christ. And he will talk to you. But you've got to listen. You know, have you really been spending time in the Word? Have you really been in prayer? Have you been fasting? Have you been seeking the Lord? Amos chapter 3, verse 7, it says, Surely the Lord God does nothing unless he reveals his secret to his servants, the prophets. And the Lord will show you. You know, I'm not saying I'm a prophet or anything, but, you know, I, I am a pastor. I thank God for his grace in my life. And sometimes he's shown me things. I'm sure he's shown you things too. I remember one time we had a situation where we were praying over here at the church, and it was serious. And, you know, uh, when we first started, and, and we weren't sure what to do, but one night the phone rang, and I have no idea how this happened, but when I picked up the phone, I was linked into the conversation that person was having with someone else. And in the middle of our decision, God exposed them to us. Because God will show you, right? How many times? And this has happened to me, and you know, I'm not saying every time it's supernatural. It might be sometimes just the error on humanity, but it's always God and His sovereignty. There have been times where we didn't know what to do. And guess what happened? Someone accidentally called my phone. It was in their pocket, and I heard what was going on. Now, don't get me wrong. I won't listen to that for a long time, okay? If you do accidentally do that to me, I'll be like, ah, I don't want to be a nosy person, right? But if it's in the middle of something heavy that's going on in the church, I'm like, wow, Lord, thank you for showing me this. Why? Because God will reveal things that need to be revealed. God showed Elisha what they were saying in the bedroom. 
And that God that was alive then is still alive today. And that's why we got to listen. We have to really listen to the Lord. You know, God will reveal sometimes in very creative ways. In the book of Acts chapter 23, if you guys remember, all the men uh, there, the Jews, they had committed themselves to kill Paul. They wanted to kill Paul and... uh, they committed, if we don't kill him, then, you know, we're, we're, we're committed. To, we're not going to eat. We're not going to drink. We're going to die. And, and it just so happened. It just so happened that Paul's nephew was there. And so Paul's nephew comes to him, tells him the secret, tells him what's going on, saved his life. Paul believed him. Why? Because God, God reveals things. God exposes things. You know, I always tell Shelly, you know, when it comes to life, you know, because you're always wondering about people. You're wondering about things. And I tell you, you know what, sweetheart? You don't need to ask questions. We don't need to go fishing. We don't need spies. You know, we don't need spies. God will reveal to us what we need to know. You know, sometimes you've got a husband and wife, and the spouse is thinking, I think he's cheating on me. I think, and so they're thinking, I'm going to hire a detective. You don't need to hire a detective. God will expose it. God will show you. See, and that's what we see here. The, the enemy says, I'm going to do this to them. And Elisha, the man of God, knew all about it. And God protected Israel. See? And that's why it's so important that you can honestly say with all your heart, truly, I'm listening to the Lord. You got to listen, man. It's very important. You know, Elisha, his ministry here was Israel, and God revealed things to him, things the king of Syria was saying in his bedroom. Not only that, look what we read next in verse 13. And so the king finds out this Elisha is responsible. And so he said, Go and see where he is, that I may send and get him. And it was told him, saying, Surely he is in Dothan. Therefore he sent horses and chariots and a great army there. And they came by night and surrounded the city. And when the man, servant of the man of God arose early and went out, there was an army, think about that, surrounding the city with horses and chariots. And his servant said to him, Alas, my master, what shall we do? So he answered, Do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. So what would you do, you guys, if you were the king of Syria, okay? And so your guys, they tell you, hey, we're not spies, but Elisha knows what you're saying in your bedroom. He's like a prophet of God. What would you do? I mean, we should probably say, well, then, you know, there's probably something special about his God, (laughs) right? I'm going to find out how he does it. I'm going to find out about his God, because if his God is, his God must be God. That's what the Bible says should have happened, In 1 Corinthians 14.25, it talks about the fact that that's part of the intention of this gift. You know, we read about what happens. It says there, And thus the secrets of the heart are revealed, 
And so falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is truly among you. And that's what God wanted. Hey, maybe this guy will get saved. But the king of Syria didn't go that route. Instead, he suppresses the obvious. He hardens his heart, and he sends an army to oppose the prophet Elisha. And not just a few soldiers. He sends the cavalry. He sends chariots, which would be the equivalent of modern-day tanks. And the place where Elisha and his guys were gathered together was surrounded. And so, you know, Elisha's servant, one of the young men, he saw the enemy, the soldiers, the cavalry, the mighty forces, and the chariots. And again, when he says, alas, I, I think it's like, ah, like, ah, master, what are we going to do, right? What are we going to do? What are you going to do? When you're surrounded by the enemy, and it just doesn't look good, man. I mean, we're talking soldiers and cavalry and chariots. And they're, you know, you're just, you're just a bunch of prophets, you know. And what are you going to do? First thing Elisha says, most important thing of all, do not fear. Lord, what are we going to do? Lord, what are we going to do? You better not fear. You better not fear. God's compassionate with us, you guys. But it's something so clear in the Bible. He says it, from what I understand, 365 times, one for every day. Don't be afraid. Because that's usually the first thing that we do. Yes, but it doesn't look good out here, God. And the fear of God, what is happening, when that enters your heart, it's demoralizing. It's paralyzing. It's absolutely poisonous and toxic. Lord, I don't know what's going to happen, but I tell you what, Lord, I trust you. See, that's what God wants. If you fear God, then you don't have to fear anything else. If you walk in fear like much afraid or chicken little, you know, the sky is falling, the sky is falling. You know, you walk in fear, then you're not walking in faith because fear and faith are mutually exclusive. They can't coexist in the same heart. You read your Gospels. Just read your Gospels. One thing the Lord showed me this year as I'm reading through my Bible, He said along with that, I want you to stay in the Gospels every day of your life. Read about Jesus. Read about His ministry and you will see wherever He goes, He was always calling the people to faith. Faith. Now some people don't like faith because you know what? The pendulum can swing to this end. Health, wealth, and prosperity. You don't name it and claim it. No. We're not there, but don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. I believe in God. I believe that He has my life in, in His hands. That's what He's saying right here. First of all, do not be afraid. Some people are fear-driven. All their decisions are because of the fact that there are fear-driven people. The fear of man, the fear of failure, the fear of death, the fear of God not loving you, the fear of God not satisfying you, the fear of God doesn't know what you're going through. And when you're driven by fear, you will always drive off the road, off the road that God has for you. It happens all the time. We need to be people not driven by fear, but led by faith. Elisha's commandment not to fear had a fundamental foundation. I think of Romans 8.31. Notice what he says right here in verse 16. Do not fear. Why? For those who are with us are more than those who are with them. 
right? Romans 8.31, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, then who can be against us? Do you believe that? According to 1 Samuel 14.6, Nothing restrains the Lord from saving by many or by few. Why is that? Because God's on our side, and he's all we need. With God on our side, we have an infinite advantage. Of course, you've got to make sure you're on God's side too. <laughs> but when you're on God's side, and God, I'm not a perfect man, but I tell you what, Lord, I love you. I want, I want to follow you. I want to do your will. I stumble sometimes, Lord, but you know, that's what I want in my life. And God's with you. And you don't have to be afraid. There are more with us than there are, you know, for them. You know, we just need to open our eyes. We need to be able to see this reality. Look what happens. Do not fear for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed and he said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. And then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw. And this is what he saw. The mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Do you guys know the Lord, he's with you? Do you know that, you know, with God on your side, it may be one against a gazillion, but you have an infinite advantage? Do you believe that God is with you in the little things? All day long you can pray to him? Do you believe that God will speak to you so you listen? Do you believe that there is a spiritual dimension right here that we can't see with the eyes of our flesh, but we should see with the eyes of the inner man? I can't see God, but I can. He's here. I know this doesn't look like you know some cathedral that you might have Expected God to live in, in maybe the Middle Ages, they, they built these glorious churches. You're like, I don't know about this church, man. It's got T-bar and it's uneven. And, you know, the, some of those ceiling tiles are stained. And even some of those, and you got, you know, coffee stained in the back carpet and whatever. I don't know. And it's a strip mall in Almani. But God is here. He said, we're two or more together. And God's omnipresent. God's everywhere all the time. But when his people come together to seek him, he is here in a special way. God is here. Angels are here. We can't see those angels, but they are here. Sometimes we can see angels when they appear in the form of a man. Who knows, the person next to you might be an angel. Never know. Right? Right? And there's demons here too. <laughs> the only thing holding up your halo are those horns, right? <laughs> there's a spiritual dimension here that we can't see. And God is surrounding his people. You know, we get afraid sometimes because we see things happening. And, you know, wow, man, the enemy's coming with his soldiers and his cavalry and his chariots. And he's got a plan. But God is with us. And God surrounds us. I looked online. I said, Lord, there's got to be a good visual here of, you know, the chariots of fire. They're all there on the army surrounding Elisha. And I, I couldn't find any. But I think we can kind of visualize that. I do know this. How many of you here remember that song when we first started Calvary's a long time ago? 
As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people. I love that psalm. Psalm 125, verse 2. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people from this time forth and forever. God surrounds us. God is with us as his people. Do you know that? Do you see that? Elisha prayed for this young man there in verse 17 for him to be able to see that and God opened the eyes of this young man. You know, life would be so different for us as Christians if we would look at life through eyes of faith. Do you see God? Do you see the angels? Do you see the enemies? Do you see that spiritual dimension? This is really one of the keys to victory in the Christian life. It was even a fundamental expression of the faith that Moses had. Remember Hebrews chapter 11, verse 27b? It says, For he endured as seeing him who is invisible. I mean, you're not going to talk lip to your, to your wife if you know God is right there standing right next to you. Oh, yeah, I better not. I mean, we, we know, but I think a lot of times we forget. Moses was able to make it through as a leader leading his people, the people of God, to the promised land. And the key was he, he just saw him, the reality of God being there. He saw him who is invisible. And so he was able to endure. And right here with Elisha, the man of God, we just, we learned so many things. You know, Elisha was definitely a man who walked in the Spirit. You know, sometimes we don't see and sometimes we're not looking. We know that God is invisible. Colossians 1.15 says that. Colossians uh, 1.15, 1 Timothy 1.17. And yet, we know he's here. We know that the angels and demons are usually invisible, according to Colossians 1.16. But we need to know that they're here as well. You know, sometimes we don't. And, it, and it's to our, our detriment. Do you guys remember, how many of you here remember the story of Balaam? Balaam was an interesting story. We read a portion of it in Numbers chapter 22 where he wasn't supposed to go, right? But he went and he saddled his donkey and he was on the pro, and there with the princes, going to the princes of Moab. And so God was angry with him. You guys remember that story? And so the angel of the Lord went to Balaam and took his stand as an adversary against him. Now the donkey saw the angel of the Lord. Do you guys remember this story? The donkey saw the angel of the Lord. And so uh, it says that he went down and, he, and um, the angel of the Lord with his sword drown, drawn. And so the donkey turned aside and out of the way and went into the field. And so what did Balaam do? Do you guys remember? He beat the donkey. What's wrong with you, Right? <laughs> And so the donkey went around and went back on the road. And then they were traveling through a narrow path or vineyards and walls on each side. And once again, the donkey saw the angel of the Lord right there. And so he pushed against the wall, probably trying to knock the wall down. He crushed Balaam's foot. You guys remember? And so once again, what did Balaam do? He beat the donkey, right? And they eventually were able to then go further. Now they were in a real narrow place. There was nowhere to go. Do you guys remember what the donkey did next? He sat down. <laughs> He just sat down, and so Balaam was so mad, and he just began to strike the donkey, the Bible says, with his staff. And then what happened? The Lord opened the mouth of the donkey. 
Imagine how freaky that must have been, man. Now we, we see it all the time with animation and special effects and stuff, but back then, whoa, you know, the donkey starts talking to him, and of course Balaam starts talking back to him, which is kind of interesting, right? And the donkey's like, man, I don't get it. I've never done this to you before. You know, you know me. And, and what ends up happening then? Not only did the Lord open the donkey's mouth, it says, but then the Lord opened the eyes of Balaam. And he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way with his drawn sword in his hand. And he bowed his head and fell flat on his face. Some things are so obvious. A donkey can see it. A prophet can't see it. We need God to open our eyes. Open my eyes, Lord, to the spiritual realm. Open my eyes, Lord, to the fact that you are here. Some of you here, you might be playing games with God. I don't know. I got to at least throw it out there. And you're not. You're messing around. Maybe you're in sexual sin or whatever the case may be. And like there's an angel of the Lord with his sword drawn ready to discipline you unless you repent of your sins. You might be playing games with God. You might hate somebody. Don't hate anybody. The angel of the Lord's there. A donkey can see it. Why can't you see it? And God's trying to just speak to us. Balaam, he first he couldn't hear, and then secondly, he couldn't see. If you study his story, he now falls out of God's perfect will, and he will continue to fall and die. Crazy. It's a lesson for us, really, how we need to listen, really listen how we need to look and really look. Life is so different when we see the reality of the spiritual dimension. You know, to see things. Real quick, go over to Ephesians 1. And I just want to read this to you because remember Ephesians 1 talks about how rich you are in Christ. And in verse 15, Paul uh, praise. Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and with your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. And let me pause there for a second. You know, he's just saying, ever since I heard you guys got saved, ever since I heard about that, I have not stopped praying for you. And this is my prayer for you, you guys. Spiritual understanding, enlightenment. I'm praying for you Christians. I'm praying for you that the eyes of your understanding would be opened. And this is what he says. That you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named not only in this age but also in that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet and he gave him to be head over all things to the church which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all, I know we don't have time to go into that really in depth, but here's the thing. He's just saying, I'm praying you would know these things, your riches. And here's the thing. 
that he kind of camps out on. The power, the power that raised Christ from the dead, that power is in you. That power is in you. When I pray that your eyes would be open, you should be living a different life. Really. And that's all he's saying. And everything's put under Jesus' feet. Your life, man, God's got it all under control because Jesus is head. And we got to know these things. See? And so, you know, open our eyes, Lord. Remember that song we sing, Open the eyes of my heart. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see Jesus. I want to see this spiritual realm. I want to endure as seeing him who is invisible. Remember, you guys, as we read earlier, God's in the little things. The first one is little. So pray for him. Pray to him for the axe head, okay? We need to listen. Just like God showed Elisha the secrets, God will show you the secrets if you listen. We need to look. We need to be able to see the spiritual battle that's going on. Really, really important. Open my eyes, Lord. And then the last thing is this. We need to be led. Look what happens in verse 18. So when the Syrians came down to him, Elisha prayed to the Lord and said, Strike this people, I pray, with blindness. And he struck them with blindness according to the word of Elisha. Now Elisha said to them, This is not the way, nor is this the city. Follow me, and I will bring you to the man whom you seek. But he led them to Samaria. And so it was when they had come to Samaria that Elisha said, Lord, open the eyes of these men that they may see. And the Lord opened their eyes, and they saw, and they were, there they were inside Samaria. Now when the king of Israel saw them, he said to Elisha, My father, shall I kill them? Shall I kill them? But he answered, You shall not kill them. Would you kill those whom you have taken captive with your sword and your bow? Set food and water before them that they may eat and drink and go to their master. And then he prepared a great feast for them. And after they ate and drank, he sent them away and they went to their master. So the bands of Syrian raiders came no more into the land of Israel. There's a lot here. In the end, I like the way that the enemy was defeated. His plan failed. Because Elisha was listening, Elisha was looking, and in one sense, Elisha was, was loving. He was being led. You know, there are some times where I'll tell you what, when my enemy comes, I just, oh, Lord, God says, love them. Right? It reminds me of when Saul got saved. Do you guys remember when Saul got saved? What happened to him, Acts chapter 9? Do you guys remember? The sun came and then he got blind. And then, you know, he goes and then Ananias is sent to him with words of kindness. Brother Saul, God's chosen you. You're saved now, you know? And it's kind of like that. You know, these guys get blind. They go. They're led to Samaria. And, uh, you know, the king's all, what should I do with them? You know, he's asking Elisha now for counsel. Elisha says, hey, you can't kill them. Give them some food. Give them some water. Have some, you know, a feast with these guys. And you're like, no way. You know, at least you could do is beat them up a little bit. <laughs> God says, no, just have a feast with them, you know. Love them. What does the Bible say? The Bible says that when we love them, 
If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Romans 12, 20, right? Proverbs 25, 21 through 22. And it's like, Lord, I don't want to do that. I want to be mean to them right now. And God is saying, you know what? You've got to be led by me. Now, when Elijah, they came against Elijah, Elijah called fire down. He toasted them. Remember? And that was, I guess, God's will for that time. Here, Elisha just says, you love them. God says, you know, I want you to love these people. And, and led them there to Samaria. What ends up happening is they end up becoming people that would not come back and, and raid them. And in the end, I think that's, that's what God wants. You know, real quick, Elijah and Elisha, it's so cool how they, you know, Elisha was Elijah's student, but they were different. You guys remember Elijah? He was anti-government. Elijah was full-on anti-government. And some people think that Christians should be anti-government. Whatever. Elisha was, he was an ally of government. He was an ally. These kings of Israel, not one was good. Not one king of Israel was good. But in the end, Elisha was an ally of the king to where when Elisha died, they actually called him the chariots of Israel. And so, you know, it's cool to see, even though he was discipled by him, that he was, he was different. In closing, you guys, um, I guess for me, the thing that stands out is just the whole message of faith. I pray you would have faith. Do you have faith? Faith that God will hear your little prayers for the little things and he'll be constantly showing you who he is and how much he loves you. Faith to listen, faith to look, faith to love, faith to be led. It all comes down, I think, in the end to faith. I was reading a story about a pastor in Texas. And you guys have probably heard this before. One day he's studying in his office and his daughter, who's five years old, she comes to him and she asks him to build her a dollhouse. And so dad uh, said, sure, I'll build you a, doll, a dollhouse, right? And then, you know, she leaves and he goes back and he's reading his book. But soon he glanced out the window and uh, he saw his daughter, five-year-old daughter, with her arms filled with dishes and toys and dolls and she's making trip after trip until she had a great pile of playthings in the yard. And, and so he asked his wife, what's, what's our daughter doing, you know? And the wife said, well, you promised to build her a dollhouse, right? And she believes you. She believes you. She's just getting ready for it. And so... When he heard that, imagine you dads. I mean, wouldn't that hit you? And this guy said it hit him like a, a nuclear bomb. And, and what ended up happening was he threw his book to the side and he, and he raced to the lumber yard for supplies and he quickly built his little girl a dollhouse. Why? Because her faith in her father's word moved her father to act on her behalf. And the same is true for us, you guys. I'm telling you this. So many promises of God. And when we really take him at his word and he sees, oh, that one right there really believes. And that one right there, they're not afraid. They're not afraid. And, and that one right that honors our Father. And he will move on your behalf. 
This morning I read in Matthew 8.13 where Jesus said, Go your way, and as you have believed, so let it be done to you. And so let me close by just saying this. In the beginning of the study, I, I gave you guys a quote. Does anybody remember it? Anybody write it down? That's okay, I still love you, right? <laughs> Little faith will take your soul to heaven. Great faith will take heaven to your soul, right? Most of you here, you probably, you know, you're, you're learning. I need that great faith. I need that great faith. For most of us here, that's what we need. But let me just say this. If there is one person here who needs to take that first step of faith and you're not a Christian, that's the most important thing right now. And my prayer is that if you're here and you know you need Jesus, that today you would take that first step, that first step in a relationship with him. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for allowing us to study your word together. I thank you, Father, for the lessons of life we learned through Elisha. I really want to pray about everything, the big things and the little things. Help me all day long to commune with you. And help me, help us to really listen. Lord, knowing that you'll reveal things to us. Oh, Lord, I pray we would know that you are a God who speaks, like Samuel said, and your servants listen. Father, I pray that we would open our eyes to the spiritual realm, the spiritual reality, Lord, of you and all these wars that are going on. I pray, God, that we would be a people who have that love, have that life that is led by you, knowing what to do every single time. And Father, I pray for just anyone here who might not know you, Lord, that today would be the day that they give their life to Jesus Christ. We thank you so much for your love, your grace, and your mercy in our life. Be with us now as we sing, as we go. Lord, fill our hearts. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you were encouraged by this study. If you have any questions, please call us at Calvary Chapel El Monte at air code 626-454-3414. Remember that Jesus loves you.